What is up, Ewa crew? Today, we are covering the creepy case of Sherry Rasmussen. Filled with heartbreak and betrayal, toxic jealousy, and years of pain for friends and family, the case of Sherry Rasmussen is an unfortunate, brutal crime of passion. Sherry Rasmussen was a young, accomplished newlywed living in Los Angeles with her husband, John Rutten. Having entered college at only the age of 16, Sherry was already the director of nursing at Glendale Adventist Medical Center by her mid-20s. As a beautiful and lively young woman, friends and family described Sherry as having the ability to be the sunshine in the room as she could cheer up anyone she was around. Others also admit that John Rutten was crazy about her and that she was the kind of person John wanted to be, almost like a personification of how he saw himself in his best moments. She apparently fell just as hard for him as their connection was immediate and untroubled in the spring of 1984. They were quickly married by November of 1985. However, their fast-paced, loving relationship never had a chance to make it even half a year into marriage. On the morning of February 24th, 1986, Rutten left the couple's condominium on Balboa Boulevard to head to work at his new job with a local engineering company. Rasmussen was scheduled to give a motivational speech at work that day, but told her husband that she might call in sick to avoid going through with it, using a back injury she had gotten during aerobics the day before as an excuse. John encouraged her to just go in and get the class over with, but Sherry was still undecided and remained under the covers when he walked out the door at around 7.20 a.m. Around 9.45 a.m., a neighbor noticed that the Rutten's garage door was open, but strangely, no car was visible. Approximately 15 minutes later, John Rutten made the first of several unanswered calls home over the course of the day. At first, he assumed Sherry had decided to go in and teach the class after all, and he didn't think much about it. However, after calling her secretary who had not seen her come in for the day, John was a bit more concerned as to why Sherry was not picking up and their answer machine had not been turned on if she had chosen to leave. Maybe she had simply forgotten and left the house in a hurry. However, Rasmussen's sister also called without answer. A maid cleaning a nearby unit later claimed that she heard something that sounded like two people fighting and then something falling at around 12.30 p.m. When Rutten returned home in the evening, he found the garage door open and broken glass scattered across the driveway. In addition, he discovered that the BMW that he bought Rasmussen as an engagement gift was missing. Because of Rasmussen's morning plans, he found it strange that she would have later gone out without letting him know. Just inside the home of the newlyweds, Rutten tragically discovered Rasmussen lying motionless on the living room floor. She had been shot three times. There were signs of a struggle, as furniture everywhere had been overturned and a porcelain vase had apparently been broken over Rasmussen's head prior to the shooting. John was shocked and terrified by a bloody handprint on the wall next to the burglar alarm's panic button, an eerie cry for help that tragically went unanswered. Sherry also had defensive wounds and a bruise on her face that appeared to have been inflicted by the muzzle of a gun. The fatal shots had been fired through a quilt apparently to muffle the sound. John immediately called police and an in-depth forensic investigation sprang into action. The investigating criminalist observed a bite on Rasmussen's arm and took a crucial swab from the site of the injury. 
LAPD detectives investigating the case quickly concluded that Rasmussen had been surprised and killed by a burglar. Rasmussen's attire, a bathrobe, nightgown, and underwear suggested that she had not been expecting any visitors. Although the maid in the neighboring unit reported hearing screaming and fighting earlier in the day, she did not recall hearing any gunshots. She thought the whole event had been a domestic dispute and did not call the police. Officers concluded that the perpetrator had been in the process of taking electronic equipment when Rasmussen came upon them, and as a result, jewelry had been left behind and the vehicle taken as a getaway. The abandoned BMW was recovered a week later, but unfortunately, it yielded no new evidence. Strangely, the only other thing that appeared to have been taken from the home was the couple's marriage license. John Rutten was quickly ruled out as a suspect in his wife's murder as he had a solid alibi and no easily found motive. Having only been married to Sherry for a few short months, Rutten heavily grieved to the extent of quitting his job and moving out of Los Angeles altogether in an attempt to start over. The further detectives began digging into Sherry Rasmussen's personal life, it quickly became apparent that she had a very close relationship with her father, Nels Rasmussen. Nels ended up becoming an integral part of helping solve this 23-year-old cold case to finally gain justice for his daughter. Nels in particular was unconvinced that Sherry, who had been six feet tall and in good physical shape, had been the victim of a burglary gone wrong. It would have been a struggle for anyone to subdue her in close quarters. Detectives had informed the grieving father at one point that the events may have lasted an hour and a half, an unusually long time for burglars primarily after items of value in the home. Additionally, whoever shot his daughter had fired directly into her chest at close range and taken the trouble to muffle the shot with the quilt, suggesting that the killing was deliberate and not the accidental byproduct of a struggle. Nels Rasmussen immediately turned police onto the suspect he believed could be behind the sudden violent crime against his daughter. Remembering a strange conversation Sherry had with an old girlfriend of John's, Nels brought up the name Stephanie Lazarus, a detective of the LAPD in her mid-twenties. Prior to Sherry and John's marriage, while John was an undergraduate at the University of California, he occasionally dated Stephanie Lazarus. John claims that their relationship was nothing more than friends with benefits, but Stephanie might have felt otherwise. John reported that Lazarus would often steal his clothes when he showered and take photos of him naked while he slept. Although Rutten never considered their relationship to be anything more than necking and fooling around, Lazarus was shattered when she learned of Rutten's budding relationship with the young Sherry Rasmussen. At one point, Lazarus threw Rutten a surprise party on his 25th birthday, unaware that he had been dating other women or that he had developed a serious relationship with Rasmussen. When she learned he was seriously involved with Rasmussen in August of 1985, she wrote Rutten's mother and said, I'm truly in love with John and the past year has really torn me up. I wish it didn't end the way it did and I don't think I'll ever understand his decision. During their engagement, John admitted to hooking up with Lazarus one last time after she called him distraught over learning about his engagement. John recalled this encounter in court, full of tears and regret. He also admitted that he had come clean to Rasmussen about the encounter and begged her not to call it quits as all he wanted in life was to become her husband. Sherry had agreed. Still during their engagement, Lazarus later brought her skis to the apartment Rutten shared with Rasmussen and asked him to wax them. 
and despite Rasmussen's objections, he complied. Rasmussen felt this was a little strange, since Lazarus was dressed in flattering workout clothes. After Lazarus left, Sherry asked John if his relationship with her was truly over. John convinced her the two were just friends. A few days later, Lazarus returned to pick up the wax skis, in uniform and armed, after John had left for work. Understandably, Sherry was shaken by these visits and pleaded with her fiance to tell Lazarus to stop coming by their apartment. However, John replied by saying there was not a lot he could do about the situation and that she should simply try not to think about it. Nels Rasmussen later stated to police that his daughter had confided in him when Lazarus even visited her at her office to tell her that things were not over between her and John. Lazarus supposedly told Sherry, if I can't have John, no one else will. And Sherry told her father that the woman continued to stalk her on the street. However, since no other solid evidence of this encounter existed, the word of Sherry's father was not enough to lead to any arrests or investigation into the LAPD officer. Nels claimed that his daughter had not told John about the intense degree to which Lazarus approached her at work because she was more concerned with the status of their relationship than any possible threat to her life. Unfortunately for Nels, this further discredited the supposed interaction. Although Nels confided in police and constantly questioned why Lazarus was not under question for the murder of his daughter, investigators seemed to only consider two possibilities. That John had killed his wife in a domestic dispute or that Sherry had been surprised by a couple of burglars who panicked and killed her. Although neither supposed solution could be supported by any evidence from the scene. Could there have also been a degree of institutional bias at work within the investigators of the case? Perhaps police were afraid to look into one of their own and admit the dark truth of a life taken far too soon. According to further investigations, the case record suggests that one or more persons, during the initial investigation and continuing through the next 10 years, actively conspired to hide evidence that might have proven Lazarus's guilt. For starters, nearly all of the conversations and records of Nell's discussions with police about the strange interactions and behavior of Lazarus were mysteriously missing. There are multiple audio recordings of interviews from the first round of interrogations, but all conversations that possibly mentioned Lazarus were nowhere to be found. The lead investigator, Lyle Mayer, later suspected that perhaps a perpetrator was female, since the occurrence of bite marks is not typical for male aggressors. For years, no arrests were ever made. The evidence of Sherry Rasmussen's murder was packed away in commercial storage. However, Nels and his wife never gave up hope. Nels continuously called the LAPD, asking if they had looked into the lady cop yet. When he first learned of technology for new, advanced DNA testing as the years pressed on, Nels even offered to pay for the test himself for the blood, hair, and bite mark samples from the scene. He was told that these tests would do him no good without a suspect, but he was desperate to convince police that he did have a suspect. However, as with other possible leads in this heart-wrenching case, all of the evidence was mysteriously signed out of storage and misplaced. In 1989, John was reunited with Stephanie Lazarus on a scuba trip to Hawaii. Before he met her there, he told investigators he had called Mare to make sure no evidence had ever linked her to Sherry's murder. It seems odd that the possibility of what he had previously so strongly rejected remained present in his mind. As he would recall later, Mayer assured him there were no suspicions about Lazarus whatsoever. 
In January of 2005, criminalist Jennifer Francis reopened the case. She found it odd that the evidence had been misplaced, and she knew that evidence recovered from the victim's body would be held for a time in the coroner's freezer, and at some point would be gathered up and stored under the file number. What if the swab hadn't made it from the freezer to the file? Francis called the coroner's office. The swab was not on file, so they searched the freezers by hand. They managed to recover the cotton swab in a damp manila envelope with Rasmussen still written on the front. They could now retest the DNA collected on the scene. It was then that it was determined that the killer had definitely been female, but they still did not have a suspect that matched. However, detectives finally decided the burglary theory was invalid and they would have to start from the beginning. Investigators soon followed one other female lead of a coworker that had reported disputes with Sherry, but upon discrete DNA testing, the suspect was eliminated. Finally, the LAPD was focusing on one of their own as the final prime suspect, Stephanie Lazarus. Detectives theorized from their own experience about how an LAPD officer would go about committing a murder. They presumed that it would be better to commit a crime on a day off, and departmental records show that Lazarus had indeed been off the day Sherry Rasmussen was killed. I mean, what, what, what's, what's, I mean, what's this all about? I mean... Well, let me ask you, what ended the relationship between you and John? You know, I don't... It was kind of a weird relationship. I mean, we, we, we dated... Um, I can't say that he was my boyfriend. I don't know that he would consider me his girlfriend. Um, we just, we dated, we did things. I played sports in college. He played basketball. His brother played basketball. Um, it, it, we just, you know, it just didn't work out. It was time to get a DNA sample from Lazarus. Detectives decided to do it under the radar to avoid tainting her with suspicion if the lab tests cleared her. A special operations team staked out Lazarus and her adopted daughter on a trip to Costco, and after they had snacked at a table outside the store, the team retrieved a cup and straw Lazarus had used. Two days later, the lab confirmed that the mouth on that straw was the same mouth that had bitten Sherry Rasmussen's forearm in a violent struggle 23 years ago. Had you ever met his wife? I may have. Do you know, do you remember her name or anything or? Um, um, or what she did for a living or where she worked or anything uh, about her? Well, I think she, I th I'm going to say that I think she was a nurse. Um, I mean, I can't remember how he, he said he met her. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, it's been so long ago. Well, let me ask you, did you go to their wedding, you know? No, I didn't go to their wedding. Um, no, I don't, did not go to their wedding. Um, couldn't even tell you what year he got married. I mean, you know, it's, it's been a million years ago. Lost in a fit of rage targeted at her ex-boyfriend's fiance, Stephanie Lazarus had silently walked into the couple's home back in 1986 and murdered Sherry Rasmussen. Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, again, I, I mean, what, you know, I don't understand why you're talking about some guy I dated a million years ago. Well, do you know what happened to his wife? Yeah, I know she got killed. What did, um, you, what did you hear about that? I, I saw a poster at work. Um, I'm sure I spoke to him about it. Um, I think I spoke to another friend of his about it. Um, and how did, how did you first learn about that? Jeez. <laughs> she then expertly staged the scene to look like a robbery 
and fled from all accusations for 23 years. Asked you for a, a DNA swab, would you be willing to give us one? Maybe. <laughs> Because now, 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 yeah, because now, now I'm thinking I probably need to talk to a lawyer. In March 2012, Stephanie Lazarus was convicted of the murder of Sherry Rasmussen. She was sentenced to 27 years in prison. This is insane. Okay. The Rasmussens have sued both Lazarus personally and the LAPD, but a preliminary ruling asserted that the department is immune to lawsuits of this type. The missing evidence from the case file means that a piece of the mystery remains unsolved. How many officers were truly involved in covering for murder committed by one of their own? Okay. This is crazy. This is absolutely, I'm like, I'm like in shock. I'm totally in shock. If you enjoyed this video, be sure to hit the like button and subscribe. A playlist is going to pop up right now with more videos you'll love. Click on it and we'll see you guys next time.